Hi everyone, this is Uni. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Unique Paradigms Podcast. Welcome to our discussion. Our Shaktiism series continues to cultivate discourse among scholarly thinkers. I truly appreciate the support related for the growth of interest throughout all of our series. The scholarship presented on early South Asian literary cultures has remained distinct to languages used. And when we reflect upon ancient Sanskrit literature that have been shared throughout many generations throughout the South Asian diaspora, some paradigms truly have yet to be shared and our discourse continues. In our previous episode, we discussed the Devi Mahatmaya and the prominence of Mariaman worship globally. Being Indo-Caribbean, I've always had an enhanced awareness of the contextual differences and similarities of Sanatana Dharma and Mariaman practice. Particularly in Mariaman worship, the most memorable moments are that which I experience manifestations in sonic practice. It certainly is viewed as taboo to share and detail these encounters um, from those within the community. However, my purpose is to bring forth a scholarly perspective to enlighten others of the nature of sacred rituals within Mariaman worship throughout the diaspora and allow us to further our discourse on the coexistence of these elements of practice. And there are varied perspectives, and each should rightfully be captured. The disparity needs to be explored further, particularly the areas of sonic practice and sacred rituals. My own paradigm shift happened during my childhood. It was during our annual called Bairo Puja, where we endured the phases of preparation of prasadam for offerings, gathering flowers to thread malas or garlands, saris to adorn our murtis or statues and other religious items. I distinctly remember the smell of Samrani burning, almost filling my eyes with tears and hearing tassa drums playing. And I recall watching curiously as the pujari began to dance, what we refer among in Tamil Guyanese as playing. And these experiences continued throughout my time in New York and additionally when visiting Guyana. And it's a shared tradition that has no boundaries. Though the, the puja we perform continues generations later. Although my role has grown more refined and now having a larger audience to bring forth this awareness, shifting paradigms and addressing the stigmas surrounding sonic practice, sacred rituals, and, and the resilience of these stigmas. However, the belief of manifestations, it is a variable within the Hindu community, and it does bring forth attention to a few aspects of sacred ritual spaces in Mariaman practice, particularly the use of agents to cleanse space, sound design as a holistic sonic practice, as well as the power of incantations. 
When we reflect upon the tribal influence and the nature of sacred rituals, the ideals of mantra, tantra, bhakti, and shakti in South Asian religious studies continues to be at the forefront of my mind and the existence of pre-colonial South Asian identity and how that has evolved greatly. We are dependent in the diaspora on our ancestral connections to bring forth culture, storytelling, and religious practice. In academia, there is a growing dissatisfaction, however, with the explanation of Indian mantras as spells or charms. And often we have found in early literature from Gandhi 1963, Alpur 1989, Stahl 1996, where there were clear references as magical practices. And the development of the scholarly ideas about the use of mantras as a phenomenon is, is more prevalent when we explore further in earlier works, where we can see some Christian missionaries have claimed that there is nothing holy or prayerful about a mantra. So we can see over the last 200 years where scholars were on the fence between two different positions where they viewed mantras as prayers and therefore essential for religious practices, or there was the paradigm where mantras were spells and therefore examples of sorcery or magical practices. However, when we think about both concepts, we can also see in literature, our later literature by Saul 1996 and Yell 2003, where we have a blend of both concepts, where there isn't a proper explanation or exact meaning. So we definitely find that there is a dilution of what is actually contextually relevant to the practices of Pantra and also in the context of Shaktiism. So there are newer routes for research that have been proposed where where without proper analysis, there is a wider structure of ideas that is needed to develop a background and to help distinguish what these some quote-unquote magical activities were. But when we think about the presence of mantras in literature, uh, we can also see patterns where the characterization of supernatural powers and the use of prayer and mantras also has been associated with coercion or manipulation of supernatural powers or beings. So we're finding that with these different ideas, they have shaped the characterization of magical practices in regards to mantras. And these characterizations have dictated the discourse on Indian practice. But as we go forward with our discussions, I do seek to bring upon more light to where we can see these patterns. So as we further our analysis, it is important for us to show 
where these interconnected ideas were deeply rooted in the lens of Christianity, where there was a belief of a biblical God and a fallen angel, to the scholarship of ancient practices in India were really from a European lens. Additionally, we can see patterns where, especially in the Western context, where there has been an improper use of sounds and mantras. So as there has been an immersion and interest in aspects of Sanatana Dharma and Shaktism as well, we find that there is an intermingling of the both paradigms. And truly, mantras cannot be invented or created. They are sacred incantations we use to help us connect with our gods in which we worship. So mantra is essentially a healing ritual. Um, astral sounds are also an essential part of puja and worship. Additionally, when we think about the cycles of ages, where Dharma existed openly, and there were stronger interconnections to elements and consciousness. So in the context of Sanatana Dharma, we can reflect upon Satya Yuga, where their cycle consists of Satya Yuga, the ideal state, Treta Yuga, the age where mankind loses an essence of spirituality and practice of yoga. Dwaparma Yuga, the decline of spirituality and practice of yoga. A presence of immorality that shows up in equal measure. The Kali Yuga, an age where there is a conflict where spirituality and practice of yoga is minimal and immorality is more predominant. So a lot of the mantras that were developed were conscious of this relationship that a being has with their god. For example, let's reflect upon the syllables within a mantra. We can see multiple meanings. For example, we can analyze the Gayatri mantra. The chanting of the mantra it enables a path to enlightenment. So there are various forms of Tantra, and the Gayatri Mantra is a form of Tantra. And we can see these techniques to help us connect, and it should be done with proper care and guidance. In my family particularly, the forms of Devi were prominent. So the Gayatri Mantra was always thought of as one of empowerment, as when things may dim, reciting it can truly shift your paradigm. But when we analyze the inner meanings of the Gayatri Mantra, we can really see the meanings of each word. So Om being the primeval sound, Bur being the physical body, the realm, Bhuva the life force, Suva the soul, spiritual realm, Tat, God, Savitur, the sun, Varenyam, Ador, Bargo, the Divine Light, Devasya, our Supreme Lord, Dimahi, a Meditate, Dio, the Intellect, Yo, may this light, Na, our, Prachoriyat, to inspire or illuminate. So this does bring forth attention of the power of incantations and mantras. 
And we can also see these patterns as we delve deeper into aspects of Shaktiism, particularly the folk or tribal forms of Shaktiism. And when we look into sonic practice, manifestations, and sacred rituals of tribal Shaktas, we can really identify where these patterns existed and that continue to be prevalent in current puja practices of Shaktiism. I look forward to sharing more in our next Unique Paradigms podcast episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our archived episodes are housed, and you'll also receive notifications on our newly published podcast episodes. Look forward to speaking to you all soon.